this is a crazy idea, but I believe companies should pay people when they work from remotely more because you are saving the office cost. Like if they know it's going to be remote, they will say, okay, I will hire maybe more people and I will pay people more. What's up, you guys? My name is Mikhail Krashovsky, and welcome to episode 97 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Now, I'm very excited for today's interview because it's with Shaheen Boydis, the founder and CEO of RemoteTeam.com, which helps remote-first companies manage their team's payroll, compliance, and contracts. Shaheen has spent the majority of his time as a founder in Silicon Valley, but decided to focus on improving remote teams in 2019. Shaheen and I had a very fun conversation during which we discussed how the rise of remote work will affect U.S. cities, what mistakes companies are making today in running their remote teams and how they can improve them, and what the future of remote work looks like. Before we jump into the episode, however, I want to let you know about the launch of my new community, Six Figure Nomad. I believe that there are three big leverage points in life becoming location independent, building your own business, and earning $100,000 a year. Achieving these three things can build a platform to live a truly amazing life. And at Six Figure Nomad, it's our goal to help you make these things a reality in your own life through case studies of real-world location-independent businesses modeled after the case studies used in top business schools like Harvard. Now, guys, this is not a course, but it's instead a way for you to build experience and problem-solving skills like the ones that you're going to need when running your own business by taking a look under the hood of real successful businesses. So if you are ready to take action on your business, then head over to thatremotelife.com forward slash six figures. That's six figures all spelled out where you can learn more about the community, why we focus on the three leverage points that I mentioned earlier, and you can also join the waitlist to be the first to know when Six Figure Nomad launches. But all right, you guys, without further ado, uh, let's jump straight into this week's episode with Shaheen Boydas of RemoteTeam.com. All right, Shaheen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, no, I'm super excited uh, to have you here on the podcast and to talk remote and everything like that. But first, right before we actually started recording, you mentioned that you just moved from San Francisco to Austin which really seems to be like the cool thing to do nowadays <laughs> for Silicon Valley entrepreneurs. So um, you're kind of, I think, one of the first people that I've had on the podcast that has actually made the move. Um, yeah. I know several people who have made the move, but no one that I've had on here yet. Why do it? Like, why did you go from, you've been in Silicon Valley for quite a while living in yeah. San Francisco. Why make the jump to Austin now? And why Austin specifically? 
Yeah, that that's a great question. That's a great question. I I I like to follow trends, or just before it started to become a trend, I love I love to do that. There was multiple things, multiple instances in my life that I said like living in Bay Area is a little bit crazy, and the first, the last one, that was like where I said, oh my god, I'm not doing this shit, is. We had no electricity in Cupertino, which is the middle of Silicon Valley, like Apple headquarters, mm-hmm. Stanford University, Palo Alto, San Mateo, San Francisco. It's the Bay Area, they call it. And in the middle of Silicon Valley, okay? And we didn't have electricity for a week. How come? Because of the fires. Oh. Yeah, because of the fires. And... Of course, we are destroying the world as humans. There's definitely climate change. I'm 100% believer of it. Everyone should mm-hmm. do their things. But in reality, half of the California fires are caused by PN, 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 PNG, PGEN, sorry, Pacific mm-hmm. General Electric Company, Pacific Gas Electric Company. And because it was so bad, and when the heat gets hot, they have to shut down the electricity to stop the fires. Mm. And then there's also fires. So, and because they are all the utilities, all the electric lines, even in my state, even in my city or in my town, it's like 50 years old. Mm-hmm. But they put a stick and that stick is like 50 years old. And that's like one of the biggest car fires. And then the electric line problems is the top two main starters of the fire and business insider stick, by stick you mean the electric, electric poles electric yeah. poles right, right, electric right, poles. right. Like it's a it's a for i was looking it's like a stick right it's like toothpick yeah. right but it, it's not normally when you go to any third world country you find it from cement it looks professional but in california yeah. it's really like a well it's not just it california <laughs> it's most of the U.S. uses, and it, it's funny that you bring that up because when I moved to the United States, that was the two things that I noticed right away. First of all, uh, the water level in the toilets is way higher than in Europe, and the other thing is that the electric poles are uh, wooden instead of uh, cement. It's the yeah, first two things like, that made an impression on yeah, me. Yeah, it's like weird, right? You go to San Francisco; it's like an insanely advanced city. And then the problem is like, you see all these electric lines and they're really, really old. Okay, so the, uh, the electricity was gone. And I mm-hmm. was in the middle of building my product, in the middle of launching it, in the middle of all the growth, right? And I had no electricity. And like my mm-hmm. team is all over the world. We have 40 people in remote team, remoteteam.com. And like everyone was like, like, they sort of don't believe that I live in Silicon Valley. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a joke. That was my last thing. And then you I had one and I walk every day. I seriously walk in, in sunset. I, I try to walk nearly every day. And then in sometimes sunrise, if I can wake up early. And then every day we start to see a truck that people are moving out. Uh, no electricity. You have red skies. Uh, from mm. the fire it's like a doomsday like and the streets are empty like there's no one because of the yeah. um, air quality level yeah. goes so mm. crazy like it's normally 2030 in Cupertino in Bay Area because of the beautiful Santa Cruz mountains uh, but it was going to 180 even 200 which is also not safe mm-hmm. and then 
uh, I drive to meet with some VCs and investors in Bay Area. And in the last two times, my car getting broken into. And I parked in a very normal location, like it parked mm-hmm. in Vermont and 16, which is the Uber headquarters. It's very close to Zynga. I parked there. Okay. Like it's not a, like a weird place, a nice place. And two times it get like they break the glass window. And I didn't have anything in the car, so I didn't take anything. But they just then I see so all of these, and then it's very rare now when you walk in San Francisco like you don't see human things in the floor and then you don't see needles you always see needles in the floor mm-hmm. like and then i see a guy this is south park so south park is the place that all vcs meet all entrepreneurs meet in san francisco mm-hmm. like there was a guy with two guys playing with a baseball uh, bat and hitting each other and throwing so there's like homeless people that's yeah. fine we have to take care of them and there's psychologically psychopaths with drug uh, drug problems walking in the streets and i had another Mm -hmm. friend a very nice girl like she got attacked as well and then nobody's meeting Uh, and then my rent was uh, we are like it was i had to renew my contract and then i look at the price and then what i can get and as an entrepreneur you always want to still be in the ecosystem of course, the ecosystem, all of my friends, all of my angels, all of my venture capital is all there. But I end up in, in remoteteam.com. I end up having a venture capital called Active Capital, which is a very cool VC, very smart guys from Rackspace. They sold a company to Rackspace. They were in Texas. Because I'm so naive and so Silicon Valley, I think only the money in the world is in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So, oh, there's like smart people outside of Silicon Valley, right? Like very cool, very successful startups. And then very successful entrepreneurs and very successful venture capital as well. Of course, right? It's weird not to mm-hmm. think otherwise. But because we are in that bubble, you think your reality is just Silicon Valley. But it's interesting because, and and this was definitely something that I wanted to talk about. It's kind of coming up earlier than I than I thought it would. But it's interesting because, you know, this is what a lot of um, what my friends and I have really been talking quite a bit about is the things that we thought were going to happen with remote work in ten years, fifteen years, and this is something that I've discussed on this podcast before is just happening now. Now, yeah. And you know, these things that we hypothesize are going to happen to the demographics of the United States, the way that remote work is going to reshape the US is literally happening before our eyes in a year, right? Where so many people are moving from uh, San Francisco or California to Texas or wherever, or from New York to the middle of the country. And it's almost sort of like these cities are just shedding people and sending them to other places. Where do you think this goes in terms of, I'm interested in terms of like entrepreneurship and startups, because as somebody who was uh, very involved in the Cincinnati startup space uh, several years back in, a, in another life, one of the things that was always a problem was that there was no money in the flyover states, right? That was the big problem is that if you needed to get money from VCs, you needed to go to the West Coast or to the East Coast. How do you think this new sort of uh, remote work and the way that it's sort of um, spreading people out throughout the United States. How do you think that's going to affect uh, startup funding? Yeah, that's that's unbelievable good question. So, you know, everyone in the world, cities, countries, organizations, they try to always build a Silicon Valley, 
right? I, I remember I, I went to a lot of accelerators, like 500 Startups, Founder Institute, Stanford Startups. You always see a government there walking around, like, ah, like a government from Albania arrived, like what? <laughs> like, or uh, like people from Senegal arrived and like they're walking around, like we are a zoo animal and they are like trying to learn, right? And then they actually, uh, I always laugh at that, like it's a touristic attraction, right? And then they try to copy it, right? And the problem is they never able to copy. Like it's nearly, it's like saying like, let's copy Hollywood, right? Or let's copy Wall Street. It normally will not work. Because the reason, the main reason here, before COVID and before remote world, let's say, then you have a lot of people coming into a very dense area. And there's the Stanford energy, I will call it, and that there's Sand Hill Road, just like one mile out of Stanford, or out of Stanford, which is all the VCs. And there's the Page Mill Road, which is just another one mile south, which is all the lawyers. And then you go mm. one more mile, it's all the research center, HP, and all of it. That is actually the core of Silicon, Silicon Valley. And then everyone is there. So you constantly meet with smart people, they help, that helping culture, right? And then you find the entrepreneurs, you go to the inner circles and that like the social proof and then all the knowledge you ingest. Um, and then on top of it, people can give you money uh, for the good ideas you might have, right? Um, and so that is how sort of it works. So it works in this way. And then the, the problem, the thing, the, the, the funny things happening is if the, there's no people there, then there's no money that will go to mm. the founders. So in a very weird way, like a lot of people in Bay Area, and then you have the idea that you need to build a team, you need to build advisors, you need to build, find the investors, and then you grow, right? And then this circles just goes and goes. And then if you are very successful, you have a good timing and a good growth, you get more money, right? But initially... You have a small idea, you have to find the engineers, you have to find the team, you have to figure it out somehow. And then um, you need to meet with enough people who will introduce you to some angels that who will believe you and give you some money. With that new money, you will build, 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 right? This is 99% of the startups. Some startups are very successful. They open up and then they have 10% growth every week. And then they have 33x growth in a year and they raise so much money, right? So my thesis is, I believe the top 1% of the VCs and the top 1% of the founders and engineers will still stay in the Bay Area. Like mm -hmm. if you work in fun companies like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, like, and let's say making $400,000 a month, you will probably leave that. $400,000 a year, a you will leave yeah. that. And then top VCs who live in Atherton in that area who cannot probably move because they are really all life there and they are okay. But the rest of the 99% of Silicon Valley, they have no reason to stay there anymore because you end up average minimum life there is like you will realistically will spend $6,000. So as a bootstrap company, it's nearly impossible. Like because you are a bootstrap founder, you you have no money or maybe just get a 50K or 100K from an accelerator if you are lucky enough. How are you going to survive that money? Like that money goes to the founders, uh, probably just rent a little bit and is no food. It's too much suffering. 
And then at the end of like me, you start to say, like it does, it's not worth it. It's like stupid. Like you feel stupid. Like you go to a coffee shop, I'm paying $15 to a coffee that is not like anything special. Like I don't get high right. from the coffee or it's not that they put like one milligram of CBD in it and then they jack up the price for $20 and everything is like that. So I don't feel that there will be new founders will come and suffer. When I first moved there 10 years ago, like I was able to get a rent uh, and actually two friends, we were able to get a rent and we rent it out and we actually decrease our rent. And then I was going to the meetups to really eat pizza in every meetup and I find all the cool meetups to eat good food there, right? I really survived until I got my first check and now mm -hmm. it's nearly impossible. And if you don't have this survival bootstrap for at least the initial idea, uh, the, the Silicon Valley will not get the companies. If you don't get the seed companies, you don't get the A's, you don't get the B, you don't get the C. So, and if every founder, like the most founders are moving out, most engineers are moving out. So this 99% really successful, cool guys uh, will come together in Austin, will come together in Kansas, will come together in Asheville and start to build companies. Yeah. But this, I feel that, like we will not have crazy social proof like in the old days. Ah, because you got this angel investor, I will give you money. That will not happen. So the numbers I think will shift more realistic, like maybe more growth, less social proof. But the whole VC money will go all over the states right now. And then way later, it will go all over the world. Um, so we are definitely, and because the thing is, as you said, I really witnessed this in, it's in actually Wall Street Journal, uh, Heather wrote a piece about this. It's like I went to Costa Rica in last summer and I had a vision of how the world will change. And it's all anti-streets, like the city, like San Francisco is like gonna be like Detroit if it goes like mm -hmm. this, right? If they don't able to fix it. So <laughs> Don't let Detroit hear that. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I went to Detroit, like the zombies walking around. It's like right, there's right, no right. humans anymore in Detroit. My, my wife is from Detroit, so I've been there quite a I bit. I like so. Detroit. I like that. <laughs> but it's like, it's, they killed it, right? They killed it. Yeah. And then in Detroit, it was more economical problems. Mm -hmm. In San Francisco, it's greed and craziness uh, take over. So uh, now when you everyone moves out, then that culture needs to go with the people like me, like other people that know that culture really well. And then we're going to start to repli replicate in other places. And then you start to see a lot of cool companies because cities will be totally useless, right? Because the system was how, how like, we built, we were in the farming, then we moved to factories, and then we moved to these buildings that you have to, to make money, you have to go somewhere. That is like 99% of the world we right now. But it's changed after the COVID. So you don't need to go anywhere to make money. So the whole city structure that you end up paying 60, 50% of your salary to just work in Twitter in a one mile radius, that's absurd anymore. Right. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I've been talking to a lot of people about is that in, if you think about it realistically, this is the first time in our like civilization in which yeah. we have separated your economic benefit from where you actually live. Right. Yes. In the past, like if you wanted the job, you went to the factory or if you yes. wanted to farm, you went to the place where you could farm. 
today, right now, we're living through the period in which for the first time in the history of our species, you've been able to separate this. So what ends up happening where you don't need to physically be wherever your economic source is from, right? So that's why like I'm super excited, for example, is like what happens to these like secondary and tertiary cities in the United States, which have sort of been dead for a long time or haven't really experienced so much growth. Like what happens when the money and people who are maybe like, you know, have good jobs in New York, but decide to move to the middle of Pennsylvania because they can. What happens to those communities in the middle of Pennsylvania that all of a sudden now have like more financially successful people living there? I think it's going to be really interesting. It's 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 totally moving to that direction. And this, it will be first time in the history of humanity you can seriously live anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and make some money. And right. that is actually going to open up something really interesting. So when people are happy, how are you going to hire them in big corporation? They're going to say, I'm going to do my own business. I want to do my five-figure business or six-figure business, mm-hmm. right? So people like big companies will not be able to get people anymore yeah. because like uh, you don't need that much money if you don't live in San Francisco, right? I don't need to make that much money. Like with the half of the thing that I am making, I can live insanely happy in my area, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to see more happy people. That's my hope in the future. So when you see more happy people, then you're actually going to see more creativity because like mm-hmm. when art, more creativity comes from actually more happy people. Mm-hmm. Why it was in the Bay Area? Because people had garages. Like they asked me in other countries, like why we don't have Silicon Valley? You don't have garages, right? You need to have a garage that your father go there, build a computer. You need to have that like hobby mm-hmm. environment. You need to be a maker, right? So the garage in the US was people's maker. Like the father become and build a car. They built something. Like it was that maker culture. So when that culture is everywhere, not in that one location only, like people from New York will come there and build a very successful $10 million business, $100 million business. And that guy will go and generate more businesses around that. And then we will start to see really interesting hubs around the world, uh, around the US, I think, in the, in the beginning, which will get a lot of funding and a lot of uh, because even the funding will be like angelist kind of environments. Like you yeah. don't need to be anywhere and just going to get investment. Uh, well, I also think it's interesting what you touched on there about uh, the fact that a lot of people aren't going to actually want to get jobs. And it's why I'm actually so bullish on teaching entrepreneurship to children, because I think in, in you know, as there's going to be this interesting thing where, a lot of people, it's becoming easier and easier to start a business. So a lot of more people are going to choose to do that. But also as artificial intelligence and automation increases, you're going to have less and less demand for actually full-time employees. Exactly. So I think there's going to be, and I, this is something that like, um, you know, Naval Ravikant writes a lot about is like that uh, our employment is going to stop being so much focused on full-time work and far exactly. more on sort of freelancing. And I think that like, you will see a lot more, you know, six figure people who, Hey, I'm really good at this thing and I don't need a job. I just do, you know, five projects a year and I kick ass and I get $150,000 a year for it. So, um, I think that that's going to be the future and why a lot more people need to exercise that entrepreneurial muscle. Uh, and one, this is one of the reason and one of the thesis we have in remote team.com and in remote team, 
what we are trying to build is we are building a platform for companies, for remote first companies to pay their independent contractors, pay their employees, have all the HR information system you need to have like all the documents, onboarding, termination, the compliance, whatever documents is education and then all the app ecosystem. Okay, you pay the money, you can operate the company. Now all the apps you need to run a remote company. So we actually trying to provide all of them in our platform. And what I believe is, and we start to see that globally, you see a lot of solo entrepreneurs, they call it even in Russia when we send money to some people, some startups are sending money in the, the government create a legal term for them. Call it solopreneur or something like it's a mm-hmm. single entity LLC in US. Mm-hmm. And then when the money comes in, government just takes the 10, 20% and you don't need to worry about tax and you are working to the world. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they don't say I could go and work under a PEO, do your employer taxes. They don't care. This is like very independent contractor. And if you look at real America, it's like 28 million small businesses, which makes 55% of the American workforce. Uh, and I think this change after Obama, it increased a lot because of the single uh, healthcare system. And the, when the healthcare goes down more and more, which they actually, eventually they're going to do it. Uh, and then all the systems that now we can work together, That's like right. the Zoom is a two-year thing, like Slack is five-year thing. Like if people think we don't right, even right. have 5G yet. Like we don't even have fast internet in our house. In our house, we don't even have offices yet, right? So mm-hmm. then everyone will like work really, most of the people will work freelancers. So the companies, the new platforms, the new companies will learn how to outsource their business to multiple freelancers and build products. Like that's really a future mm-hmm. company. And so for in a very weird way, like, it will be very difficult to motivate people with paying them a lot of money mm-hmm. because you are not living in San Francisco. You don't need to pay your kid. You don't need to send your kid to Sacred Heart and pay $50,000. Who knows you're going to get into university or not, right? So that totally model is changing 100%. So I always say uh, remote, this is very not harsh. Remote, uh, remote is coronavirus of corporate America. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to total because what is corporate America is you go to a place, there is a psychopath that checking you that you are there. You have a bunch card, you punching card, you just enter a place that is in my head is a prison. I always say office is the prison of mind because when there is a person in our society doing bad things, you send them to a place for a period of time. They stay in a room, Right. And government pays it. I, I just learned this. Like government pays you if you are in prison, like 10 cents or something. So, uh, and what is office? Office is just like instead of one day prison, it's like eight hour prison, right? And then they think that you can work because you are there. It's like absurd, right? And you see companies mm-hmm. that just become remote. And I read it. It's one of a very famous media outlet say, like send email to all of their employees. Like we want everyone to check their phones. If you are going to toilet, just notify us. If you are going to doing your food, notify us. Like we're going to send you a message every 15 minutes. Like because they have that like mindset of like you, you have to be that and we have to monitor you all the time. Like everything will change. So mm-hmm. if you, are, you are really changing the core 
like structure of American corporation. So it will have a newer structure in a, I think, more creative and more healthy environment. I'm totally a big believer on that and we will see it. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to kind of shift a little bit because you mentioned remote team and that's the company that you're the founder of. Um, and I'm curious because um, looking, you know, when I was doing research for this, you do have quite a few successful startups beforehand. Um, and then you kind of take this shift into servicing remote companies. And it's interesting because you started, um, you know, remote team is a pretty young company. It is, you did start it before COVID. So what did you see that made you want to focus on this, right? Like if this had happened after COVID makes sense, but what did you see? Why did you decide to start remote team? Uh, you know, when you did. Yeah. So, um, when you are in Bay area, um, I start to feel, uh, so I was always doing consumer products, like a movie, social network, and we sold it to Giffycat, and Giffycat sold it to a big company. And then we did the sticker marketplace, it's still going, um, and then augmented reality app. So I was always in the consumer mobile world. and But there was something always interesting. I always had remote teams, mm. always. Even when I started very, very young, I had a team, when I was, uh, I remember 17, 18 years old, I was working with two engineers, one from Russia, one from Bulgaria, when we had no phone, just chat, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I, and I had multiple companies in Europe before I came to the Commonwealth. I, I never liked to go to office in my life. I, I, I never believed it. I never believed it. It helped me as a software engineer to become creative like sitting in my pajamas and writing code, uh, staying hungry, I don't want to go into traffic, uh, is always more, was more creative for me. Uh, I never sort of put myself into an office environment, like uh, I have to wear shoes, like I have to wear, like I have to dress up nice, like what, like what the hell, and then I will have one hour traffic. I will get hungry. My sugar level will go down. Then I will eat like crazy and then I will get sleepy. So I only work four hours and then like noise. So I always love to work in my home environment, which I think most software engineers are like that too, I, I feel. Um, so when I was in Silicon Valley, uh, I was like maybe one to few ones, but then it started to increase a lot. You start to see a lot of international people coming to Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm and raise some money. And when you are an international person raising money, you end up hiring people from your home country. And we see this trend really clearly. And that was trend number one. The second trend was, I believe the self-taught, you also was mentioned a little bit. Now you can really learn to create a business or you can learn how to become a good coder. You can learn how to become a great growth hacker. So the, the talent, start to uh, generate it outside of Bay Area, right? You start to have amazing, smart people all over the world uh, are good as the Bay Area people, right? As in the tech world, of course. So that was to, I, I really believe we are in a self-taught era that you really like, and if you look at all the cool companies right now, the unicorns, the billion dollar companies are built by, most of them built by people that never had experience in that before. Like Uber guy, Travis was not a cab driver. 
Right? They just come there and I want to build this. Like, uh, or any of the ideas, like Instagram guys were not like photo experts, like, ah, I need this filter, right? It's, it's, it, it doesn't work like this. So it means that you can really, and they all, most of the people, most of the entrepreneurs, even they are experienced entrepreneurs, when they start their businesses, they are really learning from scratch because nobody mm-hmm. did that before, right? So you have that self-taught, you have international people. And then I, I bought the remote team.com many years ago. Then I said, this will be definitely a future. You bought the domain? I, I bought the or, domain many, okay. many, many years ago, like four or five years ago. And, but I was waiting because uh, I wasn't like, I was curious like when it will start. Like, and then in last summer, just one year ago, I was sitting um, in Stanford Stardex. It's a very cool accelerator. I think it's like they are, they are, their numbers are way ahead of anyone else. Uh, the number of companies get, getting into Series A, Series B is 2x higher than any top accelerator in Silicon Valley. So I was lucky to be a Stanford Stardex founder. And we were sitting there and talking about how to raise money, how to find investors. And I look around and, oh gosh, like everyone was international founders or like first generation and everyone nearly had a remote team. Mm. Like, like, and they are all asking also like, how will I hire someone in Germany? How will I work with someone in, in Germany as an independent contractor? How will I send the money? Okay, I have another employee in uh, Michigan. How will I do my state registration there, right? And these are the questions people start to ask. I said, oh gosh, like the time arrived. Uh, and then I had a, I was in Costa Rica. I had a vision there in a, in a shamanic ceremony that I really saw the world like fully going to remote. And, like I see the empty streets of San Francisco. And then you, like months later, I go to San Francisco, like really like that red sky in empty streets. <laughs> and then I really- out, think, of, uh, out of Blade Runner. Out of Blade Runner, yeah. <laughs> so I said- the time is arriving, the companies are going to remote, but at that time, it's more like good to have. I still, I remember I was pitching some very cool investor, very top tier investor that they told me that we don't think remote will be that big. Mm-hmm. Like they really told me this, like it's in the email. Uh, we mm-hmm. are not seeing this trend that much that it will create a billion dollar company. Now that great to have turned into must to have, and I seriously don't believe anyone will go back to their offices. Like there's no way. Yeah. Um, so that was the story. And then I never built B2B business, B2B businesses in my life, but I always love to chat with startups, talk with startups, help my friends, like an advisor, sometimes investor role. Uh, but now, oh my God, I'm building something that any company can use us to send money globally, to pay their independent contractors, to do their compliance, to manage them, to get their time offs. And I said, oh my, this is a great company to build. And I started nearly one year ago, just before mm-hmm. the COVID. And the COVID hit, that was really sort of lucky. Lucky for us, but horrible for the world. Right, right. Um, but I sort of feel that uh, we are entering a biology era that like... I was watching a TV show, uh, Designated Survivor, I think the name mm-hmm. is in Netflix top 10. Um, and there was a scene there that the guy said, like with million dollars, you can build a laboratory and do research and create bioweapons. 
And that really struck me. So all, I said, all the idiots around the world will have million dollar and build some stupid things in their garage. So if they don't declare uh, genetic research on viruses uh, as a nuclear uh, level, like you cannot research. Like if you research the sanctions on it, like it will be really serious. I, I always feel that there will be some idiots that like we will have like 12 monkey level stuff. And I feel, I hope, we fix this, we get the vaccine, everyone gets better. Uh, and then they realize, okay, how will we make sure this will not happen again, right? And then uh, they have to really do something with the biology research because now with the supercomputers, with the computers we have, like we can really start to modify the bacteria yeah. and the viruses. So that's, I start to feel that as well. and. I still believe that we will have more of these coming. Uh, and more often as well. More often opinion. as well. So we will leave the, the science will catch up to it. Like we will have faster solutions, maybe better solutions. And then at least for some time, um, because I think it's really hitting a critical point. And then uh, we will, that will make the whole world like must to have. So it will be very difficult for thousands of people who will lose, unfortunately gonna lose their job. Uh, and I think I'm very hopeful guy. We always survive and these people will become like influencers, entrepreneurs will build their mm -hmm. own stuff, right? There will be opportunities, there will be more richness to support all the people who also don't wanna do that. So. I really, that was my vision and say remote team should be the operating system, should be the platform for anyone who wants to have a remote team. It's it's funny that you mentioned the, uh, that everyone will have a lab in their house kind of thing, because uh, so before a little bit of a backstory, before I got involved in startups and got, you went crazy in that thing. Yeah. My background is actually in biotechnology. Okay, so you and know it. You answered me yeah, for it. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the weird things is ever since I was in high school studying this stuff, I was absolutely astounded, A, how cheaply you could do some really, really dangerous things and like just how like accessible it was. And this was one of the things that like my teacher, I was, um, when I was in high school, I went through a biotechnology program that is still pretty highly respected. And uh, he was saying like, the things that you guys are going to know how to do from home are like national security level. Kind exactly. Of you know? Right. So, I'm so right. I didn't know. That. I'm so happy. Can you like, it's really that. And this is how many years ago, right? This is like five, 10 years. 2011. Ago. Yeah. yeah. Now with the computers, now mm -hmm. with the microscope, love, like you can have a microscope in your iPhone. Like, can you imagine? Like, I don't know what, what do you think we should, like people should be. And there's more people going into biology right now. Yeah. Right? It's dangerous. It's seriously dangerous. It's it's uh it's like playing nuclear war, but from your garage, like you said. Like, you know, it's like you can do some really, really dangerous and bad things. And like all you can do, I think, is like monitor the like sales of some of the same way that like you monitor like the sales of like things that can be built into bombs but the th the thing is that like the amount of things that you'd have to watch are like like you know like there's so many things that you can but um yeah that's a whole different tangent and like i do think that you know especially with like the world becoming more populated, it makes more sense that it's going to be easier to spread diseases. So that's why there's people like Bill Gates who have for like a decade have been talking about like, hey, this is coming, like it's becoming more and more yeah. likely 
that this is going to happen. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, hopefully the science speeds up and we're going to be able to develop vaccines a lot quicker and kind of catch these things. But I do want to ask, because you mentioned, and I had a very similar experience where you talked about that, you know, you've heard about people, companies making their employees, you know, like let people know when they're going to the bathroom and whatnot. And when COVID was happening and, you know, I've been working remotely and I've been a proponent of remote work now for, I don't know, what is it? Four or five years, something like that. Um, and when I, when COVID hit and all these companies started going remote, my initial reaction was, oh, this is not going to go well because I just saw all of these companies trying to do what they normally do. But remotely, I had friends of mine, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I had friends of mine telling me that if they didn't move the mouse on their computer every 10 seconds, they were getting their pay docked and like all of these crazy things. So what are some of the mistakes that you are seeing companies making in terms of remote work? And what should companies be doing in order to have a good work environment, in order to have a good culture in their companies while using remote work? It will be so difficult for traditional companies. It will be seriously difficult. It will be like that. So everyone says this, but they don't do it. What I will say, it's like trust. When you are working remotely, you need to find highly integrated people, uh, self high self-integration, and you need to find trustful people, like trustworthy mm-hmm. people. But then you need to trust them. So, uh, and because of the efficiency that they are saving, not going to work, even they work less, they will do more, right? But think about a corporate company that's there for 100 years, 50 years, and their whole thing is you come here at nine and you're going to leave. You're a cog in the system. Like you're four Mm -hmm. and you're going to sit there. And if you move your ass, it means that you are not working. Like for them, like they have to change their mindset. Like they have to totally start to trust people. Um, And the funny thing is when you trust people more, uh, they tend to don't try to break that trust, right? Like if you, this is very interesting. It was in Turkey, in a third world country. People were throwing garbage, even they put signs there. And then they put more signs there. And then people throw more. Then they said, okay, let's put a, a tulip garden here. And then when they put a tulip garden there, like nobody throw it, nobody even cut the tulips. So when mm-hmm. something is more beautiful, people trying to protect it, right? So companies need to learn. And companies, unfortunately, need to change to asynchronous it means that, like, it's very interesting. Many people don't know this. If you Google search eight-hour work day, 40-hour work week, work week, in Wikipedia, it's a construct. Someone in, in England come up with this idea that we have to work eight hours a day. Like, it wasn't in our DNA. It wasn't in our genes. So he think that that is a healthy thing to do, like eight-hour work, eight-hour family, eight-hour sleep. Like, Someone really created this concept. Like we didn't have it. So then we end up believing that that's the only social construct and only social truth. And then we just pass it to the generations. But now it's changing because you see people are, and also because of that, we created the weekends, right? Because you work five days and some guy told we have to, uh, for our bodies, it's two days. We have to rest. But now I think, when it's totally asynchronous, like I see my team working on the weekends. 
I see mm-hmm. some people working more on Mondays, some people working less on Fridays, some people want to take the middle of the day. So we, this bulk eight hour work is totally not logical. Like it's, it's not even human, I think. So we are, because you are forcing people to do something in a period of time, it's like prison. But now when you give the freedom and give you the trust, some people like my engineers, some people like to work in the mornings more. They take a break, they take their kids, they go out, they walk, they come, they work another two, three hours. And before sleep, they work a little bit more. And then they work a little bit Mondays, actually in the weekends as well. So in reality, people see this when they are remote at home, people actually work more. Mm-hmm. Like the, everyone says like, I work more. Uh, of course, they might be bored and other reasons, but uh, that asynchronous uh, style of not bulk ATR, that needs to change. That mindset yeah. needs to change and trust should uh, come and we should be more maybe task oriented and really don't care the people work eight hours or not. But if you think about it, even our payroll system in US is based uh, on the 40 hour work week, say 40 hour work week, right? You have to work eight hours a day. So even the payroll systems are designed for that. Even that. Well, even the health insurance system in the United States is designed yeah. after a 40 hour work week. Yeah. So that now will gonna change because in mm-hmm. home, uh, people will wake up in different times. They gonna so these companies who will not adapt, uh, they are gonna get disrupted. Like let's say mm-hmm. you are an insurance company, like very successful insurance company. I was lucky. I bought Lemonade stock, uh, and Lemonade gonna crash them because they're gonna do the same work that they are doing in a hundred percent remote company or very highly remote, very efficient. So these industries need to learn to trust people and need to change it and for in a very unfortunate way most companies it's not easy to change their culture and dna so we talk about how companies need to shift and you mentioned you know like the fact that they need to have more trust in their employees but how do you think employees need to change because i don't think this is just one-sided right there's definitely employees also need to do things differently so what do you think on that side? You know, I, I think the reason why companies are unwilling to give a little bit on the trust thing or to provide more trust is because the employees are like not in a place where they can like almost like, like imagine if you work at like Procter and Gamble and exactly. all of a sudden you're like, all right, guys, go ahead, do whatever you want. Like they're not necessarily going to react super well. The employees won't, uh, they're not going to know what to do, so on and so forth. So what do you think if somebody's listening to this and they're an employee, uh, somebody who wants to continue working remotely, like what, what should the employees be doing? What do they need to improve uh, yeah. in order to, in order for both the companies and the employees to work well in a remote environment? Exactly. So first of all, we have to talk realistically and with a high empathy. So many people's home are not, designed for work, right? I witnessed so many venture capitalists, like super rich guys had to work in their bedrooms or master rooms or their living room or where do they sleep in master bedroom because uh, they have maybe one, two rooms, right? And a living room and they have two kids at home, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And then the wife is also is working. The wife is working in the living room and is working in the kitchen, right? Or people taking calls in like, Cardrops is like crazy. Uh, most of the homes are not designed 
uh, as uh, to be a pro pro uh, productive, uh, healthy work environment. So mm -hmm. uh, it's really difficult for a lot of people because like, like, and if you are living in a city, most of the homes don't have an office. If you are living in suburbs, like now, I think in the future of homes, they're going to sell it like two master bedroom and the two offices, but it's not there yet. And in a very weird way, I always think this Apple built a headquarter in Cupertino and I can see it nearly every day. And they spend, they claim it's $4 billion, but in reality it's $8 billion or maybe $10 billion. And they're just going to put 10,000 people on it. So it means that they spend $1 million per person, right? Mm. If they just give half of the money to the employee, not even half, one-tenth of the money, $100,000, people will put a, like a nice office room in their, in their garden, in their mm -hmm. uh, backyard, right? You know, this like pre-fabric, like it's pre-made, you bring it, right? So, so it's really, 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 really difficult for employees. I think uh, every company and every employee, like sort of in my head, like I'm, I'm working for remote, I really have routines and everyone sort of need to create that routine and look into the positive side. Like I'm not driving two hours. I'm not dressing up, right? And I should do my best. Some people might need to, I was talking with another podcast, I said this, like there will be some places in the neighborhoods, which is not an office, not a rework, not a home, that we have to go and like work there. It will be very difficult for people to adapt. But... I think companies seeing that, that this is working as well because it's more mm -hmm. uh, less face-to-face -face meetings maybe and more like task-driven task um, approach. And I think uh, many people can still work pretty efficiently if their home environment is efficient. And you instantly, I think everyone should think you instantly get a 10, 20% boost on your time which is insanely beneficial uh, that you can actually create more. And this is like, I think the, the base. And then there's a lot of tools right now the companies need to embrace. Um, like, uh, because you cannot go and talk with someone quickly, right? Uh, you have to call them in the Zoom. Uh, so there's a lot of new technologies, new tools that these companies need to embrace to have that a little bit the hybrid approach, right? You can still like ping someone and do a quick chat uh, because sometimes just mails goes back and forth, back and forth. But if you just like talk in like mm -hmm. 10 minutes, you will figure out. But you see like big companies like Procter Gamble or Google, like they were really working remotely for a very, very long time. The playbook is there. The companies, employees and the companies should find really consultants uh, who is doing this and helping like because every company culture is different every business is different like my biggest suggestion to the companies and the employees they should really get a remote coach and like how uh, they can work remotely because the manager might do a problem the employee might have a problem the employee might not able to work at home that might be very normal right uh, mm -hmm. It needs to be also deep communication and try to solve the problems. Like they have to think that, okay, we are in a pandemic. 
So we can really talk about unprofessional things, like because you are you are working at home, it's only unprofessional, right? In 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 sense, and they start to okay, what's your problem? Well, there are kids in the home. There's things. So with I think with deep communication, the companies can find problems, find the issues, and solve it. And this is a crazy idea, but I believe companies should pay people when they work from remotely more. Because you are saving the office cost, as I said, like Apple spent million dollar per person, hundred percent, to build that crazy building, which looks like mm-hmm. a donut and a UFO, right? It looks like a, I think, crazy person hospital, like it, it's all super <laughs> white. Like I feel that I am in a, like, a, like a, it's, it's unbelievable what they did. Like it's like it's super clean, like you cannot even touch it, the floor or anything. There's a guy cleans it. Like, I really feel that I'm in a mental hospital, but they spend million dollars per employee. Like, if they know it's going to be remote, they will say, okay, I will hire maybe more people and I will pay people more. And I think like Pinterest, they pay so much to close their offices. And I think that will probably will benefit the employees because we start to see that, like get a remote environment, get a good desk, get a good camera, get a good... Uh, noise cancellation phones like mm-hmm. these will be provided by the companies and this will be a fraction of their office cost yeah i think um you know there's been uh, i read an article recently and um i apologize it escapes me who where the article appeared but they talked about the rise of the head of remote as a new position in companies yes. where a somebody would come in for six months essentially consult on how should you, what are the things that you need to do in order to run your company remotely, maybe do a training for the employees, really kind of help that out. And I do see that as being um, a a new position that's going to happen, that's going to be widely recognized as companies do begin to transition remotely. So even maybe somebody somebody listening, uh, that would be a great, great business right there. Easily (laughs) killer business. (laughs) Remote remote work consulting, like it's, yeah. like, it's booming. Like anyone, yeah. I know it one year ago, like I reach out, ah, guys, let's work together. Now they're like, I, I am like overbooked. Like it's like, there's no way. Like I am like companies, that's a, that's a, that's a totally new position, actually. Yeah, and I mean, there's also companies that like um, First Base HQ. I don't know if you've heard of them before yes. that work with companies to say like, hey, you got remote employees, you pay us, we'll send them everything they need, right? Like that's, yeah. I think that's a, a genius model and, and something that I 100% think is going to be happening. And like you said, there are, um, you know, companies like Basecamp, for example, who have literally been doing this for years, years. and you can yeah. just literally look at what they've done and adopt that. And it's worked amazingly for them. Yeah. There's um, so much literature so- out there mm-hmm. for the uh, Silicon Valley is interesting is always playbook driven. So it means that if mm. there's a playbook that worked really well, they have to uh, try to replicate that. Right. So we have enough information out there, how to work remotely uh, for nearly every kind of company. Right, mm-hmm. there's great examples, and uh, it's really like for them. It's it's also a survival thing. Like if they don't do that, if the big companies, if the companies still think in that traditional way, and believe that we're gonna back to normal, no, we are definitely this is a new normal. Um, 
as you said, they, they have to open a head of remote position. Mm -hmm. They have to get the consultancy. They have to learn. They have to find a way to adapt in their business model. Uh, it's the only way. It's yeah, totally agree. Way. Yeah. Well, Shaheen, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has been a, a lot of fun. Let people know listening, A, where can they find out more about you or follow you online? And also, if anyone's listening who runs an online company, who is Remote Team for uh, and where can they kind of find out more about your services? Yeah, yeah. So it's like remoteteam.com. It's like a very simple name. And anything, if you have a remote employee, remote contractor, if you are doing anything with them like payment related, or anything like you have to like let's say they're in brazil you need to know their time offs the holidays you have to hire them in a way uh, you have to pay them in the right way like our platform is for it so any anyone mm -hmm. who is a remote employee overseas we are perfect for it when we start to do some services for us like we do payroll registration tax and then we're gonna have a us payroll as well because most of the payroll systems in us I realize that they don't they are not designed for hiring people from other states. It's only mm -hmm. for one state. So there's this registration thing we start to help. So anything that's remote operations, um, our platform can help people. And uh, I am very reachable. Like my Twitter handler is just like Sahin. My Instagram is just Sahin. <laughs> so uh, I That's really the benefit of having a, an interesting name, right? Not interesting. I was very early. I was like the first, <laughs> like man, Twitter launched. I just go and get the name. So it's like, it's benefit of being a, a nerd and early adapter. Sure, so when sure. you're early adapter, you just go there, right? So um, being an early adapter in the early days, um, so that's, and I, I check my messages. Like I seriously check all the messages that's coming in. I cannot do LinkedIn anymore. I've reached the limit. There's a limit of connection. Like even you do connect, it does, I cannot accept it anymore. <laughs> but in Twitter and in Instagram, I can. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Shane, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so I much, really appreciate Shane. it. And uh, uh, ho hope we meet up in Austin next time. Yeah.